Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hope you guys are all doing well today. Um, I see they've kind of moved me to a, a lower chair instead of a stool, so um, if I doze off or something, just keep going. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be fine. Most uh, probably wouldn't miss much. It'd be fine. Uh, you know, just kind of to give you an update of where we are with our, our process here uh, of cancer, and I think it's important just to kind of continue to share the truth as you, as you go along through life. Um, this week I found out that the, the tumors on my lesion, or the tumors on my liver were continuing to grow and I had other nodules and things like that. And so the process kind of goes along to where they continue to measure my life more in, in weeks now than months, which, uh, you know, it's been months for a while, now it's weeks, and who knows what that means. Uh, no one knows except for God, and so I'm totally peaceful about that that he has this perfect plan and his perfect time and, and just want to continue to live out our lives uh, for his glory. Uh, you know, today we're going to look at uh, the book of Mark as we're continuing in our series. And it's interesting how God uh, brought these chapters to mind. Uh, pretty much have these, you know, laid out for months and months ahead of time. And so today um, I happen to get uh, a section about healing and uh, solitude, and so it's uh, two, two really uh, appropriate things. Um, and, and I just want you to remember, because as we kind of come into this, I think there's some, some incredible lessons here for us uh, about life. And, uh, and those lessons to be learned, we, we kind of have to have it against the proper plate. You know, we kind of have to have the right uh, ingredients. We have to be able to see through the right grid. And so we know that God provides grace. Uh, he provides grace for each moment. So whatever you guys are going through today, God uh, will provide the grace for that. We know that he's always here, right? He's omnipresent. So just think that God of the universe is with us. He's all-sufficient. Uh, he knows everything that you need before you even can consider it. And he meets those needs he always uh, provides, always provides, and he is sovereign. He is in control. We can rest in that fact. And, and so there's so many other attributes of God that as you get to know him and dig into it, you get to realize what an incredible father we have and uh, how he has incredible, deep, uh, special, uh, unique, intimate plans for you, for every single one of you. And it, as we get that into our heads, all of a sudden it allows us to kind of get a different view of circumstances and the circumstances we go through in life. And, uh, and so I just want to read Psalm 34, verse 8, and then we're going to go to Mark chapter 1. And it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Taste and see the Lord is good. How refuge, or how blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Father, we come to you today, and, and God, uh, we just acknowledge you are God, and you are amazing, and you are above us and beyond us, and we can't even fathom you. And so, uh, Father, we just uh, thank you for the privilege that we can even 
get a glimpse of who you are through your word and through your people and through your love and through your, your grace and your peace that you provide. And so as we come this morning, God, I, I pray that, uh, that for every person in here, they would just be struck in new, fresh ways, uh, that there are ways to live life uh, in incredible joy and incredible peace, uh, even in the midst of uh, all kinds of different circumstances. And use this for your glory. I just surrender this time. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, you know, we've looked a lot about God's goodness, and I think I want us to start there, because I think if we get a handle on God's goodness and tie it with some of these other attributes, it's amazing what you can walk through with peace. And we've seen in the past that there's three uh, main Greek words for, for good. A good has kind of been watered down in our, in our language. Uh, there's goodness in action. You know, like, uh, you know, that was, a, uh, that was just a, a good game. Uh, or that was, uh, that was really good of you to do that for someone else. Uh, there's, like, you can picture goodness. You can actually see goodness. And that's one of the words where we say, that was really good. Thank you for doing that. There's also this external goodness. Uh, they're they're good-looking. Um, that tastes good. You know, my food looks good. You know, we can see these kind of external things there. And then there's also the third word, which is agathos. And agathos is, is good in character, good in structure. And you've heard this from me before. And I hope that uh, you hear it clearly from God and through his spirit. Uh, that, so that it just penetrates in that this is infinite goodness, okay? And no degrees of goodness, completely good. And our God, Almighty God, Yahweh, is good. He's completely good, Agathos, and no one else is. No one else is. Okay. You see, what happens so often is we misunderstand God. And, and God is never evil. He's completely good. He takes evil and he arranges it for good. But realize that only he is good. But realize that in, in your gut, that God is good. And no matter what you walk into today, realize he's good. He has an eternal perspective on time. We have a little, you know, dot be between the, the, uh, the dates on the tombstone, if you've heard. You know, you could look at that screen up there and see still vaguely where the, the uh, screens come together. And if you were to take a little red uh, light, the laser light, and shine it right in the middle of that screen and look right at that word where it says... Uh, right at the middle of Gospel of Mark. And you look at that, and just take that one little dot, and you'd realize that's your time on this earth. And that's it. And all the rest of this space, not only in this room, but throughout our universes and our galaxies and all we know, is eternity. And so somehow we always want God to work out the things in the little dot there between the Gospel of Mark. But really, thankfully, he's a good God. And instead, he works out things for us based on everything else that we're going to have with time and eternity. And that's his perspective. So we have this physical birth, and we come on to, to this planet. And of course, we know, uh, many of us, that we we're born separate from God. We're born in sin. So, uh, which none of us has to look very far to realize that we all sin. And then we have this separation from God. And many people can kind of go through that timeline 
a little dot as their lifetime and die uh, physically and never know God. And um, even though he's reached out to them in every single one of you in, in infinite number of ways and never know God and basically he'll grant you what you deserve, a separation from him. Uh, and that's one perspective on life and as a matter of fact that's mostly how our world lives. Time we're physically born until we physically die. But the beautiful thing about our God is he provides a way for us to also have true life, spiritual life. And when we come in to trust Christ as our Savior, somewhere along that timeline, we become born again. And we become new. And life begins. And life never ends. Okay? And it continues on and on and on. And, and it, it continues on and on and on in a relationship. And so then our physical death on that timeline is nothing more than us getting rid of these old, worn-out bodies, these old earth suits, and we get a new earth suit that's fit for eternity, fit for who we are, fit for the fact that we're going to continue to live forever and ever with our God. And so there's no more death, okay? God has defeated death. It's amazing. And, and so we can know that. We can know that, that God comes and that Jesus is the healer. He heals us spiritually. He heals us physically. He gives us life. And you can know God has good plans for you. And it's eternal plans. That's one thing I've really tried to, beginning with Marsha, and then encourage with all the kids, and you, I want you to, to, to get a glimpse of this. And the truth is, is that God has good plans for me. And if he wants me to go home today, I will go home, and that'll be good. And if he wants me to be sitting here next year at this time, still talking, um, I, I don't know if that'll be good for you, but... Uh, <laughs> That'll be good, because God is good, right? But that also means that he has good plans for Marsha. And so if it's time for me to go home, uh, the best thing for Marsha, in the scope of this holy turtle thing we're living, we're going to live life together, all and all and all and all, beyond these, these little blinks of time we call. But so if the best thing is for me to go home now, it'll, for her, it'll be the best thing. And, uh, and for the best thing, if the best thing is for me to stay, she has good plans for her, then I'll stay. But the truth is, is that he has good plans. And maybe she wants to go live in a mud hut in Ethiopia with her horses. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's not really on my list. <laughs> and, and so maybe, maybe for her, good plans to really come to fruition. It's time for me to go home and she'll get to experience that. And, uh, but that's also true for Marie and for Nate and for uh, our kids, for, uh, for Maeve and for Abraham and for Esther. It's also true for Cody and Claire. Also true for Karen and Friday and Everly. Uh, also true for Elaine and uh, her boyfriend, Alan. God has good plans for every single one of them. And no matter what he does, uh, he will work it out. It'll be great, okay? So, challenges. And I'm just going to give you four challenges, and we're just going to take this on, okay? First of all, we often fail to recognize God's goodness. And so I'm hoping that if, as we go through this morning, you realize that you fail to recognize God's goodness, and we can give some ways to combat that and recognize his goodness. 
And uh, we fail to recognize his goodness toward us, but also his goodness toward others. We also fail uh, often to really see things eternally. And so from those two points, you know, just grasp that. Uh, we often fail to recognize that God is good and that God thinks eternally. So the very first thing we're going to look at here in the book of Mark is in chapter 1, if you have your Bibles or whatever device you choose. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, we uh, pick up the scene where Jesus is just beginning his public ministry. And uh, in verse 29, we see immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And Jesus came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left. And she waited on them. And then when the evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to Jesus all who were ill, all who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at their door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out many demons. He was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. So here Jesus is healing all these incredible things these incredible diseases. Now before we, uh, we get too far beyond that, we need to kind of realize that the way the story begins in, in verse 29, immediately after they'd come out of the synagogue. You see, so this would have been a Sabbath day, and it would be like they were going to, to the synagogue, and usually they would go like 8 in the morning, Saturday, and, uh, and they would be there for, till, for about four hours. It's kind of like our, our mornings when we have two services. And um, then, unlike me, um, who I would just go home then and watch the, the DVR of the Vikings game, um, you know, they would be done with their service, and they would gather. And they would gather for dinner. They would gather together. And, and so that's kind of what happened. But what happened is in the morning, you see, which Bill talked about last week, Jesus is casting out all these demons. And he is again at the evening, but he is in the morning at the synagogue. And they knew who he was, which I always think is so fascinating. The demons know who God is. They know who Jesus is. The demons know. Huh. How could it be that we don't know? And, and he's casting out all these demons, and he, complain, he commands these unclean spirits to come out of people. And all of a sudden, we get to see this incredible power of Jesus to overcome darkness. Demons, Satan, they're created beings. They're under Neath the power of God, they have no power over God. And he's all-powerful. He's almighty. So he casts out these demons, and he has authority over all. I think one thing that, that helps us is to kind of get a sense of that. Uh, one author described authority as out of the original stuff. Out of the original stuff. And it's kind of the same word then for where we get the word author. And, uh, but authority, author, okay? And Jesus taught about life like the original authority. So basically, he didn't come along and, and clarify something or interpret something. Instead, he just explained the stories of their lives like the author would. Because he was. And they're just recounting these things. And the author, Jesus Christ, is, is really retelling and explaining the stories of their lives. That's who he is. And he rebukes fever just like he rebukes a uh, demon. He could heal 
in an instant. He could heal me in an instant. I have absolutely no doubt that he could heal me as I walk off the stage. And we get so tripped up uh, because we start thinking, well, if he's good, like you said, then why am I not healed? Well, because it's not the best. Or I would be. Or I would be. I'm spiritually healed. Physically, I ult ultimately, absolutely will be healed the day I leave this, this body and this earth. But, you know, God didn't promise that we would be physically healed. Matter of fact, he did give you a promise, Hebrews 2.27. And as much as it is appointed for men to die once, and then after this comes judgment. Not exactly what we have in mind. Right? But God promises you death. He promises you death. Not to physically heal you. He can. Uh, and we are spiritually healed. But we're going to get new glorious bodies fit for eternity. Why do we want to hang on to these old things that are dying? See, that's what we lose sight of. We have to, to die to experience life. And so based on my medical condition, yeah, my doctors believe I'll die of cancer over the next few weeks. And I know I will only if God decides it's time for me to go. Period. Only if God decides it's time for me to go. He knows my days. And if he does not, I will still be here. And either way is fine. The best day of my life will be the day I die. I get to go be with Christ. But I like it here. So I'm not trying to get out of here either. Just trying to enjoy the day. Okay, so they wait till the evening after the Sabbath. And what happens there in verse 32, you start seeing where they're bringing all these who are sick, all those who are demon-possessed, this whole little fishing village, Peter's hometown, they're racing down there, Capernaum, and, and they're bringing the whole door to his city. And he had a big house. We were there uh, a couple years ago. And he had a big house. It was kind of set up for this. But he, but he healed. Jesus healed many who had all kinds of disease, and he cast out demons. He's not permitting them to speak, okay? He healed throughout the Scripture by his word, by touch. When people were healed by Jesus, they were totally healed. It was just instantaneously they were healed. It wasn't based just on their faith. Some of them had very little faith. And they said, help me to believe, right? Uh, he healed organic disease. He healed withered hands. He healed those who were totally blind. Uh, he healed those kind of diseases instantly, um, not just back pain. Uh, which he also healed, okay? He could heal anything. But uh, he also raised the dead. Okay, now this is serious stuff. Jesus is the healer physically. Never doubt that. And throughout the day, they witnessed Jesus the healer. They witnessed him heal spiritually over the demons. They also wish him heal physically. And see, we often fail to acknowledge his power in your circumstances. Can you think of circumstances you're facing that you just feel like Jesus Christ can't heal me? Or somehow you doubt that he's good? That's a deception. He can heal you in an instant. And if he doesn't, then that might not be, it must not be, the ultimate good for you. Or you would be healed. 
because he is working toward your ultimate good, not evil. The second thing we notice about Jesus' healing that's available to us is where he gets the power. In verse 35, early in the morning, it's still dark. He, Jesus arises, he goes out, and he, de he departs to a lonely place, and he was praying there. And Simon and his companions uh, were hunting for him, and they said, we found him. And he said, everyone is looking for you. Uh, and Jesus said to them, well, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that we can preach there also, for that is what I came for. And when they went out into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. You see, the power of Jesus Christ in his life was submission to the Holy Spirit. He came as a man, cloaked that deity, allowed God to speak through him. He allowed God to, to live his life through him. He surrendered to God. He allowed people to actually see Christ, or see God. That's why he said to Philip, Philip. Philip said, please show us the Father. He said, Philip, Philip. You've been with me so long, you don't realize that when you have seen me, you've seen the Father. And the reason he got that power was from the Father, but he spent time with God to hear from him. Do you? No, really, do you spend time with God to hear from him? Do you have a dedicated time that you just say, Speak, Lord, I'm listening. You see, you worry about all our circumstances in our lives, and we have all these little or big things, and all of a sudden we have little or no power to deal with them because our old strength runs out. And when all the power of Almighty God is available to us, it never runs out unless we've taken our eyes off of him. So Jesus comes, all of a sudden it's been a long day, at his door are all these people who are in need. It's an unplanned ministry opportunity. And the city shows up at your doorway. And it seems you should just kind of keep on ministering, just kind of keep on going. But Jesus knew the Father had other plans because he had gotten away and spent time alone with him. He had spent time in solitude with him. Do you? Do you? You see, solitude... There's a lot of things that are involved in solitude that really impact our life in incredible ways. But, but what I want you to think about this is solitude is the key reason that Jesus knew that he was to go somewhere else. Otherwise, he would just do what the circumstances dictated to him, which was stay and heal these people. Otherwise, he would just do what the other people in his life had decided that he should do. And his agenda would be determined by circumstances or by other people rather than by Almighty God. There's always this tension between doing and praying. There's always this tension between wanting to go and do more and do more and just be who you are. And somehow we think if we just spend time in prayer, if we just spend time in solitude, we spend time with God, we will not do anything. That is a lie from the pit. Somehow we've decided that if we're not busy with activities, then we're not productive. It's one thing God has stuck me on my chair to show me over and over and over that uh, you just thought you were productive before. 
And the truth is, when you hear from the Father, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. And he's the one who's setting the agenda for your life. But you have to spend time with him. And spend time with him. And all of a sudden, you, it's amazing how the stress falls away. What all, it's not your agenda anymore. And it's not another person's agenda. And your agenda is not dictated by your circumstances. And your agenda is not directed by stress. But instead, your agenda is dictated by your father. Because you've heard from him. And you know. And so you can just walk that out day by day by day. And there's a peace. Regardless of what's swirling around. And we're not freaking out about every circumstance that comes our way. We're not worried about missing something. Uh, somehow, we just walk in the will of God and we're able to deal with whatever comes your way. He provides grace for the moment. So this, this lack of physical healing really freaks out so many people. And uh, really freaks about it. Just think about what we pursue in our society to try and find a way to be well physically. We, we, we go to incredible lengths. And I'm not saying there's anything bad about health. I like to be healthy. I pick it over being sick, okay? But, but the other side of the coin is to somehow realize that God is good and God has got me right where I am right now, right here, dealing with what I'm dealing with. And that is the ultimate good. It's amazing. And believers, you know what? Remember this. When you die, you go to heaven. Okay? When you die, you go to heaven. There you go. It's not, what are you fighting for? Okay, I don't want to go to heaven. Is that what we're fighting for? You know? No, I like it here. I like the pain and the sickness and the misery and all the horror and the killings and the evil in this world. None of us do. That's what we're fighting. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and, 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 and I'm going to come and get you and I'm going to have this place for you. But you know what? Jesus wants us with him. Often we could be fighting against him and against his plan. We don't have to fight to stay here. We don't have to fight to go home because he knows. We could just rest in that. We often fail to spend time in solitude and prayer, spend time in the word. And we freak out. We're anxious. We're worried about circumstances. We're worried about the past and the present and the future and and we can get to know the Father by just spending a little time with Him, experiencing Him, and all of a sudden we have peace. So not only is He the healer physically, spiritually, not only does He the one that's also with you and wants to guide and direct your steps, wants to show you His agenda for your life, but also He is your substitute. Mark chapter 1, verse 40, the leper came to Him, and it beseeched him, and uh, the lep this leper uh, fell on his knees before Jesus, and he said to Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him, and he immediately sent him away. And Jesus said to him, see that you don't say anything to anyone, Go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a testimony. And when they went out, they began to proclaim it freely and began to spread the good news to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city but stayed out in the unpopulated areas and they were coming to him from everywhere. Now just catch this. 
this kind of a gross description of leprosy, but it's now called a Hansen's disease. And, uh, but, but it kind of gives you a picture of what they're dealing with. Uh, Hansen's disease caused you to be tired, caused fatigue, joint pain, little white spots that would harden into nodules, and they would all turn all white, and then pink, and then brown. They'd become scaly. They would spread all over your body. Uh, they would spread over your face, and it became to appear to look like a lion. Then the nodules would ulcerate and produce a foul odor, and you would breathe with really a heavy wheezing sound, and your eyeballs, eyebrows would fall out, and the hair would turn white, and pus would ooze out of the sores, and you would lose all sensation of pain and all sensation of pleasure in your fingers and in your toes, and they may even start to fall off. You see, a leper was like walking dead. And, and they kept them outside the city. They kept them isolated because they were all afraid they were going to catch this. And they would have to yell, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. They lived an isolated, lonely life. And he comes to Jesus, and Jesus reaches out, touches him. The one who was clean, the only one who was clean, touched that one who was unclean. And immediately healed him. And realize this, that's what he's done for you. Regarding your sin, he suffered with his wounds and his scars and his bruising, and he brought spiritual and physical healing to him. He was your substitute. Isaiah 54, 53, verse 4 through 6 says, Surely our, 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 our grief he himself bore, our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. By his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. Did you catch that? The Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall on him. And I tell you what, our journey is a lot like the lepers. We come in pain, a mess, in sin, with guilt, with fear. And we come to Jesus and he reaches out and he touches us. And he takes our place. And he provides the substitution that we need. And you can imagine what that leper's life was like after this. We're not told, except for he's rejoicing and telling everybody. But all of a sudden, he's healed. He's able to live a normal life. He's able to go back with his people. He's able to go back with his family. He's able to go back in society and be productive and live a life and just, and just uh, prosper during his lifetime. It's amazing what he gets in the future because of this. And consider the other side of the coin. What happens to Jesus? He's forced out of the villages. He's the substitute for the leper. He's forced to live away from people. He's forced to live out the wilderness. And that carries on all throughout his lifetime, all the way to the cross, where he ultimately pays for that sin. He traded places with that leper just like he traded places with you. 
And he tells the leper, don't tell anyone. And he tells us to tell everyone. Is this food for thought? You see, we often fail to believe that, that exchange life, that Christ actually is our substitute, that he actually did take my sin and my pain and all that I deserve on himself and gives us life. So let's just apply this, and we're going to celebrate it by taking communion together. And so just, just for today, I just have four simple things for today for you. Just for today, recognize God is good. I mean, just for today, okay? It's just, a, that's how we live life, right? So how about this afternoon and throughout the rest of this day, you decided that you were going to believe that God is good. And all his plans are good towards you. How does that change your life? Look for eternal things. Second, look for eternal things. You're healed. All right, you're healed. Look for eternal things. Spend a few minutes with him in solitude. Just a few minutes. And realize that he's given you his life of righteousness, holiness, purity, joy, and he's taken your life of sin. So just for today, think that God is really good, that he has really good eternal plans for you. Just spend a few minutes rejoicing on those plans and realize that he's given you life. We're going to celebrate communion, and we're just going to pass out the tray. So uh, if the ushers would like to come forward or the elders, whoever's helping with this, this adventure, and uh, we invite you all to take communion with us. Um, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion. If you're a member of the family of Almighty God, if you know Christ as your Savior, take communion. What we're going to do is we're going to just pass out these trays. I'm just going to ask you to hold on to the cup and hold on to the bread, and then we'll corporately come together and celebrate that. So let's just pray for this moment at this time. Father, we thank you that you are God. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are eternal God and that you focus on what's most important all the time. We thank you that you actually have such an intimate desire to love us that you came down and, and touched us even though we were filthy and made us clean. God, I pray that there would not be a person in this room who does not know you as Savior, does not know you as their Lord, does not know you this day as one who busts through their lives and has good plans for them, eternal plans, peaceful plans. And, and I pray, Father, that you would just overwhelm us with your presence. It's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. All the while you hear each spoken need.
Yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your need? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your love. As if every promise from your word is not enough. And all the while you hear each desperate plea. And long that we'd have faith to believe. What if your blessing comes through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your need? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know the pain reminds this heart this is not, this is not our home. come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near what if our greatest disappointments or the achings of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the darkest nights, are your mercies in disguise? Someday I'll rise up and be. Someday 
and see your face. Someday I'll rise up and see your face. No more anger, no pain in that holy place. Someday Praise your name. Someday I'll rise up and praise your name. In a blink of your eye, Lord, I will be changed. Someday I'll rise up with you. Someday. As we uh, take this communion, you know, I think all these, these things that we sing and these things that we praise and these things that we worship are purely built on, on what Christ has done, obviously. So the reason I have zero fear of death is because I know Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. No other reason. It's that simple, and it has nothing to do with me, what I've done, who I am. It has everything to do with what he's done, and I am simply trusting what he's done. And so as he gathered on that, that night before he was to go and be crucified, and he gathered together with his uh, uh, apostles, his dear friends, his disciples, and, and they shared. And at the end of the meal, he, he took bread, just a little piece of bread, and he passed it around, and they ripped it off. And he said, when you guys gather together, then uh, take this bread. And do it in remembrance of me. See, it's my body that's going to be given for you. His body was going to be broken and be paid for the sin. His body was to be broken and given for your sin. And now we can have uh, our sin taken care of because of what Jesus Christ did. So as you take this bread, think about what he did for you. And after, uh, afterwards, they passed around the wine and took a cup of wine. And, and we just think we're celebrating with what just millions and millions of believers have done over the last couple thousand years, celebrating what he did for them and what he's done for us. And this wine comes, and it represents the new covenant. This covenant that says... Uh, I don't have to work to try and earn God's favor. I don't have to do good things to earn God's favor. There's only one who's good, and I'm going to just trust him, and I'm going to surrender to him, and I'm going to rest in him. And, and the reason that I have goodness in me is because of Jesus Christ. And, and so this cup, this cup, this wine, as you think about it, not only did he die for your sins, but he rose from the grave to give you life.
And so as you drink about it, just think about the life that we have through Jesus Christ. Amen. I think um, Dave Carp's going to close us in the service. If you would like to pray with an elder after the service, meet you over here on the, uh, the front right part of the auditorium. Let's bow our heads. Dearly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for this healing. These things we pray in Jesus' name. you guys.